So the other day, I was on Amazon, and I was buying a couple of video game soundtracks. And I realized this is something I do a lot. I buy game music. This strikes me as kind of an interesting thing, a la movie scores, but infinitely more popular if YouTube is to be believed. Maybe we should examine that. So, let's examine that. Welcome to Music Arcade. Hello everyone, I'm Galen the Sound Guy Firestone. I'm Ronico. And I'm Eddie, and my intro gag is in another castle. Yeah, I thought we said no Nintendo this week, because Nintendo is, like, being evil about game soundtracks lately, apparently. Yeah, no, much. no. They always are. Yeah. They're more evil than usual. I, I, I'm... I wasn't planning on bringing this up. In fact, I barely even remembered it, but I remember once upon a time I was trying my hardest to track down a soundtrack for Ocarina of Time back when it first came out, and let me tell you, I ended up with a game rip, and that was not great. But I think that kind of proves my point about the value of this topic. Like, wait a second. Video game soundtracks are things that actually get released. That they do. In fact, um. I have right in front of me uh, the two video game soundtracks I have and that I've owned for like 18 years. Wow. What soundtracks? Uh, well, the first one is Final Fantasy VI. I, yes, that is acceptable. Like that checks out. Yep. I still remember outright buying it along with a gift of... Uh, Sephiroth Wall Scroll, of all things. Nice. And the other is Dance Revolution Fourth Mix. Okay, also checks out. Totally different we game, but I mean. Yeah, and different genre, but yeah. uh, both uh, soundtracks that I like a lot. Understandable. I mean, to the it's point a that I bought them, actually. Yeah, I mean, as a dance game, you should be able to have music to dance to, you'd think. Yeah. Even for as a dance game, the soundtrack also have the particularity that uh, the tracks themselves are shorter, like one and a half minutes, because that's the average size of a Dance Dance Revolution song. That makes sense. Which is sense. part of why they have a disc two non-stop mega mix, in which uh, some of the tracks blend together. Uh, it's it's a thing. It sounds that I, way. I'm just, I'm just gonna go cry in a corner uh, while I look at the prices for Brazilian CDs. Give me a second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no, there, there's quite a barrier to entry for a lot of soundtrack releases, which is real shame. Cause um, when I was at Distant Worlds, one of the like bajillion times I've gone to Distant Worlds, um. They have their merch counter, and they have their usual, you know, t-shirts and posters and whatnot. But they also do tend to sell the soundtracks. Um, and I have, like, I remember spending, like, $50 at a merch table for the FF7 soundtrack. That's, that's more than the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Yikes. it's more than the game. Assuming MSRP. Yes, assuming MSRP. Obviously, you're 
you get into collector's edition stuff, and most of my game purchases these days are digital anyway, so that's not a factor for me. But, yeah, obviously prices for any collectible item is going to fluctuate, and actual discs of older games, even with digital releases, are they can vacillate in price rather dramatically. You want to talk about expensive barriers to entry. Now but, I'm just um, crying for a different reason, because I'm thinking of Soikoden 2. Oh boy, yeah, that game is, like, impossible to find. And so are the many, 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 many rearrangement albums they released in Japan. Did they, I, I guess those never got a digital release? Not that I could find, no. Uh, Some of the be... Japanese on-track releases can be weird. It's yeah. reached to the point uh, for not a game soundtrack, but an anime soundtrack, the one for Itena, where the anime finished its run like 20 years ago, but they had 13 different OST and still going. Wow. The hell? <laughs> I have questions. Yeah. They even so do have I. an entire webpage about it. That looks like it's from the early 2000s, but still getting updated. Yeah, we're talking about stuff that's weird in how they manage it. If you check out uh, on streaming services the uh, soundtracks to the Mega Man franchise, Capcom is doing some weird stuff, because you have the games from Mega Man 1 to 11. You have okay. Mega Man X from 1 to 8. Great. You have so far, so good. About... Four uh, covers or rearrangements albums of the classic Mega Man games, and then you have nothing else. No Zero, no ZX, no Battle Network, no Legends, any of that. Nope. Sorry, what's that? I don't think uh, Mega Man Legends exists. Sorry. At well, least that's what Capcom wants to pretend. Okay, I was about to say, yeah, Legends 3 definitely doesn't exist, but... It has to exist at some point. They keep putting Trombon in their fighting games. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that does sound yeah, really weird. As, but yeah, as far as uh, soundtrack purchases go, you did mention when I... I uh, was talking about the two contracts that I do have that if you were to pull off a similar stunt, you'd have to bring up, like, half a bookshelf. Yeah, no, my I my bookshelf is very full of game soundtracks. Um, some of those came from collector's editions, like the Bloodstained soundtrack. Some of those came from... Yeah, suppose if we count uh, the collector's editions ad additional theories, I also have a Bravely Default album. Oh yeah, I think I have that one as well. Yeah, I love this collector's edition so much because it's such an enormous box. Uh, yeah, I do have that one. It's huge. Tiny, tiny uh, DS cartridge. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, no, I have that one as well. No, I mean, it is a way yeah. to distribute soundtracks, and actually kind of my favorite one, because you're getting the music with the game, you should get the music with the game. Yeah, but 
Then the question is, do you also go for uh, digital collector's editions of games you would purchase digitally that would have the soundtrack as an added bonus in a similar way? Oh, boy. No, I... Mm. You see, that's the thing with me. If the digital version comes with... The thing is, all right, we got to talk about Capcom right now because they're kind of a problem in this regard as well. Um, so what I've noticed a lot of digital version with soundtracks will give you, they don't give you CD quality audio. They give you an MP3 box. And Capcom is like way worse than anyone at this because I was trying to track down the Street Fighter V soundtrack and they make you buy the game to get the DLC, which is the soundtrack, and you can only listen to it so long as you own the game. <sighs> which is really dumb, and I hate it. I don't want to do it like that. Just let me buy a soundtrack. I don't want to play Street Fighter. I have no interest in playing Street Fighter. I don't play fighting games. My stream is making me play a fighting game right now, and I'm suffering through it, but this is just not my, not my, oh, not yeah, my genre. My Hero 1's Justice 2. Oh, right, this one. I am not the target audience for this game. <laughs> uh, you're about the furthest thing from the target audience. Correct. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. I have no idea what's going on with this game. I have no idea who these characters are. I don't know anything. The music's pretty good. The music's pretty okay. I don't have a problem with it. Um, <laughs> Street Fighter, I have a long history with. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I still will play, like, a Street Fighter machine at the Santa Monica Pier. Ken's theme is one of my favorite game tracks of all time. So I play you for fun in the context of two people that don't know how, how to play just button machine for a while. That does oh, you fun, should watch. Actually. You should watch my, my matches with friends on uh, Guilty Gear XX, X and Core. We just do insane crap, and it's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's... It's yeah, like karaoke. I, Some people can get self-conscious if they're trying to perform, but if everybody in the room accepts that it's an occasion to be bad together, then it's great. Pretty much. Um, yeah, and Capcom just drives you up a wall with this. Like, apparently between that and their inconsistent uh, Spotify releases, like, what do you even do with that? You weep. That's what you do. You do weep. Um, Apparently. I'm still trying to track down the Street Fighter V soundtrack, and I have no idea how to do it other than spending an extra $50 on a game I have no interest in playing. I think they might have that one on uh, Spotify. I might need to double check. Because they have been uploading more stuff lately. Yeah. Uh, so. I guess while Spotify is like out. a major boon for you, and we're definitely going to talk about that next... For me, Spotify is kind of a problem because I've seen things get delisted from Spotify. Whereas oh, I have seen that as well. Oh, yeah. Whereas if I have a CD and just download the soundtrack from the CD and just rip it, Good and I have that forever. That. Yeah, exactly. I just have that. That's what my playlist is. It's a bunch of CDs I've ripped into a hard drive. Um, yeah, let's. I, I'm just going to bring this up for a second. I'm a sound guy. This is not, um... Wait, what? Yeah, I know, right? This is You're not sure? new information. 
Uh, and something that drives me kind of insane. Uh, and that is the utter prevalence of... The utter prevalence of the house that Napster built. My god, MP3s are everywhere and it is such a bad format. It's so lossy. Like, if you know what to listen for, the difference between a compressed-to-all-hell codec like MP3 and other less lossy compressions like FLAC, the free lossless audio codec, is night and day. You hear so much more. I think what makes it probably even more infuriating is that if we come back 20 years ago, displaying uh, soundtracks via MP3 makes sense. Yeah. Connections are bad. Storage is bad. Right. Everything is bad. So having the ability to get the soundtrack at all because it doesn't weigh like 5 gigs is good. Yeah. No. But 20 years this... ago, MP3 was amazing. But yeah, that's but 20 this years isn't ago. 20 years ago anymore. Yeah. I don't have to choose between having a video game and two flag soundtracks on my hard drive anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, let me tell you, just real quick. Um, this is why I love Bandcamp, the site Bandcamp. And a lot of game releases are actually starting to come out on Bandcamp now, which is amazing. You can yeah. buy and they let you download in flack and it's gorgeous. They're Especially doing it right. The, the, a lot of excellent indies have their soundtrack on Bandcamp. Yeah. I think one of my first contacts with the site was actually because of uh, Krypton of the Necrodancer. Oh yeah, that one's on there. I got submerged on there by Jeff Van Dyke. Um, that was a really kind of chill soundtrack. That one I got on Bandcamp. Um, Materia Collective. I just discovered, I just discovered during the episode that uh, I had the uh, Transistor soundtrack on uh, Steam. Nice. Yeah, on Steam. There, there we go again. Steam. Steam yeah. soundtracks are the worst. But shout out to the soundtrack for having both the normal versions and the versions is that uh, of the soundtracks that happen when you press the hum button. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's very silly. Um. Ah. Uh, yeah. Um. And you know, I, I was talking about Distant Worlds. You know who releases their soundtracks on Bandcamp like smart people? Distant Worlds. No. So you can get all of those soundtracks if you if you spend money on it. That's not free, but you can get them in flak form. So, yeah, it's good. Um, it really bothers me how how the technology for audio distribution on a digital level has not like. People haven't caught up, but yeah, no, storage is gigantic. I, I just bought a six terabyte hard drive for like a hundred bucks not too long ago. Nice. So, like, yeah. But I think uh, video game soundtracks in a lot of ways suffer from the fact that the music industry as a whole seemed to have lagged uh, for a while behind uh, to figure out uh, the whole, you know, streaming thing. And... Uh, modern distribution method and everything Apple did as well. Yeah, it's it's starting to 
it's starting to catch up. Uh, I know Arknights just started releasing its soundtracks on Apple Music specifically. I don't think it's on Spotify yet. And that's a mobile we, game, the one we talk about a lot because it's a mobile game with the soundtrack that's way too good. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, uh, Genshin Impact also did that with the release of the soundtrack for basically the 1.x versions of the game. Right. And they already did that for some of the trailer music before, which is more or less the character theme. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, I mean, again, I, I like it when companies like that get with the times. It feels like Japan in particular yes. just refuses to play along. Um, yeah, yeah, I was about way. to say, I, I found it much easier to find uh, Western releases uh, on Spotify. Uh, I do know that a lot and of the... App, yeah, uh, Bandcamp as well. I know a lot of the issue is with rights, because, uh, you know, companies, different companies have the rights to the games, sometimes it's based on an anime, and another company has the rights to uh, the anime. Yeah. And uh, there's also an issue with uh, Sony, because they used to be Sony BMG, they had uh, the BMG group uh, as a subsidiary, and that was the branch of Sony that acted in Japan, but they since broke up and Sony is one thing BMG is another nowadays and for the longest time the rights to uh, any albums released under Sony BMG in Japan was in a limbo uh, a band I really like uh, called Buck Tick mm -hmm. a third of their discography just wasn't available in the West because of that schism <sighs> yeah Incidentally, I just found out that the Ark Knight soundtrack is on Spotify. You just have to find it in uh, Kanji. That would make sense. Yeah, um... Now, Eddie, you're kind of our Spotify guy. Oh, boy. So, why don't you talk to us about why that is? Because we had a topic about that that we barely got into that I think we need to discuss a little more. You're making it sound like I'm one of their... Uh, part of their marketing team, but it's more that I am the guy from a developing country in this podcast, and uh, the, the difference in purchasing power is kind of painful, to say the least. Uh, okay, uh... I want numbers. Well, let's I... say, let's big say on. an Amazon listing, something like that. Uh, check and check the difference of pricing for a uh, soundtrack uh, on a physical support. Actually, I can bring up an example that I was talking uh, to with uh, about with uh, someone else. Uh, they're a metal fan, and uh, there's a. Uh, uh, a small band, uh, they kind of have a cult following, but they, they don't get released uh, on any big label. But a German label focused on these old, older acts picked them up to re-release their stuff, their old demo tapes and whatnot, and they came out with a new album. Except this new album is only available uh, as physical media. It's not available in digital because... 
I and have no idea. Uh, anyway, the, and the what is the name of this album so that I may search it and we may compare the prices? Oh, it's only available. Which is the point of my question? It's only available in uh, Euro, uh, but the difference in shipping is yes. already a big thing to note. Uh, it's uh, called Angel of Death by the band Witch Cross. Okay. So, it's the price for the album itself is the same everywhere. It's about 15 euro for the album. Okay. Then you get into the shipping. Uh, for Germany, uh, since the label is German, the shipping is 6 euro or anywhere else in Germany. Uh, the guy I was talking to, he's from the US, uh, and shipping to the US is between 25 and 35 euro. To Brazil, the shipping is over 40 euro. And that's just comparing the shipping cost. We also have to talk about the import taxes. Brazil has very big import taxes that these stores cannot account for as we pay them in person once we receive the item. So they tend to be about 50 to 100% of the price of the item itself. So you can just drop another 15 euro on top of that. But as a short aside, having searched on Amazon, uh, which didn't have it, it seems that the band shares a name with, uh, or the album shares a name with a manga that looks very bad. Oh boy. But yeah, that's that whole thing is just the different shipping prices and the absurd import taxes of Brazil. Then we also have to deal with uh, how less, how much less uh, Brazilians tend to earn uh, compared to people in first world countries. So um, at the current exchange rate, uh, let me just double check for a second. So at the current exchange rate, uh, the minimum wage uh, in Brazil, minimum monthly wage, is equivalent to about $211. That's what people have to use to live their lives for a month. And we have stuff where the prices are kind of absurd. Like, th that amount of money is less than a full price game right now. We have some uh, AAA releases where they are being released for uh, exorbitant amounts. Um, people have to pay from uh, a quarter or sometimes even more of their expendable income if they want to play a game. And I even saw this past week, coincidentally, uh, a study came out about Brazilian gamers. And they found out that um, out of all people who describe themselves as gamers in Brazil, the vast majority mostly just plays free games, free-to-play stuff. Yeah, which is why they have kind of a reputation in American ser uh, servers for free-to-play games. Because of course they're going to flood to uh, these kind of games because A, they're digital, and B, they don't cost like half a salary 
Yeah. Pretty much. And only about 10% of uh, people who self-describe as gamers in Brazil actually buy games constantly. Like, that's very, very little. And just to pull this back to uh, music, to talk about music and why Spotify is big, uh, Spotify has regional pricing for many countries and Brazil is one of them. So we pay a little less than Americans uh, on our monthly... Uh, crap, I forgot the word. Subscription? Subscription. So we pay a little less than Americans with our monthly subscription. Uh, and in effect, I'll be honest, I don't know if my numbers are completely up to date. It's been a few years since I last uh, bought a physical album. But to compare to physical media, uh, the price for one month of Spotify, where I can listen to almost anything I want, uh, is about uh, from half to a third of the price of one album. It's uh, If it's a double album, then it's about a fifth to a sixth of the price of that double album. And that comparison just gets even uglier if you get into DVDs and vinyls and uh, yeah. special limited editions. So there's a reason Spotify is big in Brazil and other developing countries. Yeah. Now, if, if only it could let me either make an account or recuperate my old one, preferably, that would be great. Oh boy. Even though, uh, even though, honestly, I kind of got in the swing of just using YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is a pretty good place for music, but it doesn't... There's royalties issues with YouTube. Yeah, very much so. On the other hand, despite there being royalties issues with Spotify, to not to the greater degree, I already mentioned, hey, I already mentioned, hey, use Bandcamp. They they're actually really good on royalties. Yes. Oh yeah. Another I wish I could buy more like stuff them. from Bandcamp. Yeah. I really wish I could buy more. It's just too expensive for me. Every yeah. time I, I I I browse it, I start looking around and oh I like that one. Oh I like that one as well. Oh that one is cool. Oh boy, there goes my my salary. Yeah, cost is definitely a factor. This is this is very much a luxury we're talking about. Oh, Bandcamp, boy. I believe, doesn't have uh, regional pricing, so I also have to pay everything in dollars, if I recall correctly. Unless they implemented regional pricing recently. Uh, I've paid for things yes. in pounds before. I, I know I bought something from Britain that I had to pay for in pounds. So that means it's probably artist-dependent? That that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds possible. Um, Yeah, you want to talk about luxury. Square. Square. Knock this off. So, Square Enix. They're very well known for having incredible music. I would make a serious argument that this is their primary game, uh, primary claim to fame, even above and beyond the quality of their games. Bold claim, but okay. I mean, look. Yes, their games can be great. And then there's Final Fantasy XV. Um, but, like, 
pretty much every time people in general talk about game music, they're either talking about Nintendo or they're talking about Square. I, I would say the quality of their soundtracks are very well known. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's Which a, will wrong. come back up later. Oh, way. yeah. Uh, their decision to release things, like I mentioned before, that Distant Worlds can be found on Bandcamp, but technically Distant Worlds isn't a direct square release. They're from AWR Records, Arnie W. Roth Records, because the arranger slash conductor named it after himself because he's an ego but you know he does good music so i don't mind uh it's just funny to me um that's <laughs> technically a i believe like a wholly owned subsidiary or something else they're they're independent enough that they can make those sorts of decisions but actual releases by square enix tend to come in blu-ray audio form blu-ray audio nobody yeah, yes else let me does this let me just put it in my Blu-ray music player. Yeah, the Blu-ray music player, which you totally have, right? Yeah, I have it. Oh, no. Yeah. I left it in my other pair of pants. Right. You know who else totally has a Blu-ray music player? And by that, I mean does not have a Blu-ray music player? This guy? The professional audio engineer over here. I think I would have to travel to Rio to buy one. I don't think they are available in my city at all. Uh, they barely exist. Yes. I'm a guy who has spent tens of thousands of dollars on this office and the gear in this office to do all sorts of esoteric stuff with audio. And I have never thought to myself, I should really get my hands on something that handles Blu-ray audio. Not once. This is not necessary. I have never run across a circumstance where it has been necessary. Except Square Enix. Except Square Enix. They are it. They are the beginning and end of that list as far as I can tell. Now, if you do it on top of doing CDs, hey, that's cool. But yeah. if you're just... It's an option. Yeah. But if you're just doing CDs... But if you're just doing Blu-ray audio, you are catering to an extremely, extremely specific audience. Why? You basically, at this point, have to stick the disc in a PlayStation 4 just to play it. I just googled Blu-ray audio players, and the first ones are, people also ask, how do I listen to Blu-ray audio, and is Blu-ray audio dead? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I don't Square know what does I this. expected, but that's that's on point. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so Square, specifically FF14, just announced their newest, uh, are, are, uh, the newest uh, FF14 soundtrack, which is the soundtrack for all of the Shadowbringers patches. They called it Death Unto Dawn, which is named after the newest patch. Um. And they released it in Blu-ray audio format, and I, of course, just instantly ignored it, and I'm like, I'm just going to wait till it gets to MP3s on Amazon. This time, however, they actually said it was coming with MP3s, so I bought it, because that way I could at least get the MP3 soundtrack. And the Minion. And the Minion, sure, but that's not really that relevant comparison. Um, 
But the point is, that's the worst of both worlds. You either, you have the best possible quality of audio, which you do not possibly need and cannot be played by anyone except those with very specific equipment. And then you have, we're right back to this conversation, the lowest common denominator of compressed garbage. Of all the companies that should be releasing soundtracks in FLAC or on CD, why the heck is Square doing this? Do you know if that's a format that's, like, only popular in Japan or something? I mean, it has because to be. Because that's the only reason I could see. It, it has to be. I can't imagine anything else. Either that or they have a very lucrative contract with Sony, since I think the PlayStation can play those things. Well, yeah, I can play Blu-rays. Either one or the other, I see. I, I see no other possible explanation. Yeah, I I don't I don't get it. I just don't get it. It just drives me up a wall. Like I I just want to I I have in my kitchen a small like pile of Blu-ray audio of stuff that I have yet to like I have to rip it on my laptop because that's the only computer I have with the Blu-ray player, but I have not bothered doing that cuz then that's figuring out how to make handbrake work and that's a that's a program that's a mess. Um and it's like FF12 Zodiac Age and one of the near concerts, probably the best of the near concerts. And it like on and on and on. And the only way to get CDs from Square anymore are as bonus items in collector's editions. Pretty much. Which again, we're coming back around to that conversation too. I don't know. I don't know why Square does this. I hate it. At least they are putting their stuff, at least some of their stuff on Spotify. Or on Amazon MP3, which is not great either, but I'll take it. Yeah, I, I think most of the Final Fantasy stuff has been uploaded to Spotify, but only recently. For the longest time, it just had nothing there. Yeah, I mean, they, they've been slowly making that work, and it seems to be, as far as I recall, though I could be wrong, um, relegated solely to the main releases. They do a lot of like remix albums and side releases for a lot of their projects. I haven't heard most of those. I think a lot of uh, Japanese developers do that. Uh, I've mentioned before the Mega Man stuff, uh, with what, which was Capcom. Uh, Konami used to do a lot as well. I remember there were like four uh, or five different uh, rearrangement albums for basically each of the Suikoden games. They're like... A dozen arrangement albums for the Castlevania games. Yeah, uh, it seems to be a very big thing, or at least used to be a very big thing in in Japan, and we're just not getting that. We just have zero access to those things, except I mean, for the few that Capcom. Uh, honestly, has in one their... of the thing I think is that the biggest source of arrangement we have is probably OC Remix, and it's free by design. Yeah. I have donated oh, oh, some of their albums what before. You want for some, yes. Yeah. They did an incredible Final Fantasy VI arrangement album that I gave them like 20 bucks for. I feel like I almost underpaid that one because that's so good. But, like, yeah, some of their bigger albums, if they get the licensing for it especially, I've been happy to pay for. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I just feel like access to this music from Square is just so weirdly limited in all the silliest ways. And it's it square. It almost sounds like a Nintendo move. 
No, Nintendo just refuses to release soundtracks at all, or occasionally releases them just to club Nintendo in Europe, forcing me to eBay it. That happened once. Yes, but what I mean is that it's incoherent, weird, and uselessly complicated in the kind of way that Nintendo tends to get on other topics. Yeah, that is... You know what? Yes. Yes. And it just feels like such a weird step backwards for Square, because... On every other front, Square has been about access, 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 access. Um, FF7 Remake is coming to Epic Games, uh, Epic Game Stores pretty soon. Um, they just released the first batch of their Pixel Collection on Steam, so you can play Final Fantasy One, Two, and Three. Now they they look really good. The original the original Unite version of Three and the 3D remake, so you can play the Ludeth version if you want. That's the one I played. Um, you know they're constantly I mean, even, re-releasing even stuff. We... Even if we go by that idea that we mentioned earlier, that maybe this Blu-ray audio, uh, Blu-ray audio is really uh, popular in Japan, uh, a couple episodes back we did uh, we covered those uh, concerts for Final Fantasy XIV, and we kept bringing up that they have been mostly very international with their stuff. Yeah, uh, not just the music, but the production and everything, and yet they aren't with this yeah it's uh, really it, weird. weird it just seems so disconnected from uh from everything else that square's been doing is this music side it's just baffling to me because it's the one case where they really aren't giving us access especially for a game like final fantasy 14 which is so widely widely played widely loved and widely praised for its creatives um you'd think they'd have made the soundtrack easier to get. Yeah. But the soundtrack is ridiculously difficult to get. For this exact reason. It's just this Blu-ray audio nonsense. Or crappy MP3s on Amazon. I don't get it. What are you doing? I have no answer. Only tears. <sighs> yeah. And while we're talking about Japanese companies who seem early befuddled by the internet world, Konami is very, very weird as well. Um, so I, are we supposed to talk about video game companies? Yeah, sorry, I went into Pachinko a little bit, but yeah. Uh... I already mentioned earlier the uh, Suikoden stuff because I am a sucker for Suikoden too, but I am even more confused by how they handle Castlevania. To be honest, uh, they yeah, you know, another game series that isn't very well known uh, for its OST. I I have no idea what you're talking about. I never never focus on their music. Oh, uh, but yeah, uh, they for the longest time they just didn't have their uh, games available on streaming, uh, the soundtracks of their games. Uh, as of I think about five years ago, maybe a bit less, they uploaded uh, pretty much everything from uh, Symphony of the Night onwards to uh, Spotify. But they used to have before that the Lords of Shadow games. Uh, I don't think they had Mirror of 
or Mirror of Fate, where they had or Lords of Shadow 1 and 2 on streaming, except they don't anymore. Uh, I think that one might have to do with rights, because the composer has very few stuff available on on Spotify, despite being known for composing a lot of stuff. So, weird. But yeah, Konami had stuff taken out from streaming platforms. Yeah, uh, yeah and that's always a possibility and a risk with a streaming platform. Pretty much. And you, you can't find most of Konami's games there. Castlevania has most of its entries, but that's about it, pretty much. And that's and ignoring the fact that Lords of Shadow 2 has one of my favorite tracks in gaming, and it's not available anymore. And it used to be. Unfortunate indeed. Yeah. Uh, now the thing I'm... No, you wanted to hide something? It's just one of those things where once again, like... Konami makes just baffling decisions in general. Which they have for a very long time. Indeed. Now... Thinking about the way you... Uh, Enjoy the video game soundtracks and the way I enjoyed uh, I enjoy them uh, brings me to a couple of interesting questions as well as to how to enjoy video game soundtracks because they are kind of their own thing. Uh, there is a lot of time uh, context for a lot of those tracks that builds up in a way that doesn't stand around on its own uh, quite the same. It can be uh, in some situation because of linearity. In particular I'm thinking of uh, Kid Icarus Uprising, which has uh, on whale sections uh, that are basically entirely paced according to what's happening in the level, the bumps, the stops, and the accelerations. And if you don't have that, some tracks sound just weird on their own. And that's not even going over the more modular uh, tracks and songs that happen in video games. Uh, in particular, I remember the recent example of the Doom Eternal soundtrack because they have this sort of modularity. Right. And uh, Mick Gordon just didn't want to release the soundtrack along with the game because it wasn't ready to stand on its own yet. Yeah, the more variable the mix is, the more actually putting that together in a way that's good for the listener is problematic because you basically have to remix the whole thing. Um, the original Nier soundtrack actually had this problem. There were a couple of songs that I'm just like, I'm not sure you mixed this correctly, and I would have liked to have heard more of this section that didn't get in because there wasn't any variable mix on it. Or, yeah, I mean, they just played the, like, full version and not, like, one of the quieter earlier mixes. Honestly, now that you're talking about weird mixes, you're touching to a, a sore spot for me. Because I, I enjoyed the world... Uh, World of Warcraft soundtracks because of their ambience 
Right. Just a sec. And Blizzard does this thing, and this is not new. This isn't like Activision stuff. They have done this since the first WoW soundtrack. They just pick a bunch of tracks that play uh, in the same area or have the same theme, and they weave they together, weave them together into a single track in the soundtrack album. So sometimes I enjoy the ambience of a couple tracks of a specific given area in the game, but I don't enjoy a third one from that same area. But in the album, I have to listen to them together because they are mixed into the same track and that's annoying. Yeah, that's inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah, especially because some are more mood dependent, some are more situation dependent. And there's also the question of the support in a way. Because if it was another media, I could easily say that since I'm not buying much of the album and since I'm not using the streaming platform that pay the composers, pay the authors, uh, like Spotify, well, how much is another question. Uh, in a way, I don't actively support the composers of so many of the soundtracks that I love. Yet I purchased that game, and there's something to be said, I believe, about the fact that a soundtrack is indeed best enjoyed in the game, and given how collaborative a practice is game-making, um, basically I feel like Purchasing the game is something, and purchases the game soundtrack is something extra or something almost different at this point. Yeah, it is definitely a different experience. Um, I have my various playlists, and they're very helpful when I'm writing for mood setting more than anything else. Um, but yeah, obviously they're not... Um, Obviously, it's a very different listening experience between the context of the game and then just listening to it on its own. And we've run across that ourselves just doing this show because a lot of us pick songs that the other the other commentators haven't from games we haven't played, um, which leads us we to We did an entire them. episode on that when we did this Final Fantasy concert that I have yeah. never played. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, exactly that. So we have to kind of listen to it without the context of the gameplay, which may or may not change our opinion of it um but this also works both ways is i actually the more i listen to it feel that you know we just mentioned this one from the final fantasy concert um the to the edge uh the theme for seat of sacrifice uh is actually better outside of its context i like listening to that a lot more than i like it in its game and i, I think that's fair, that's even fair. in the in the context of having played the game Sometimes we get uh, different experiences upon uh, repeated listens of certain tracks. Yeah. Uh, two tracks that come to my mind in particular. Uh, first of all, I started playing uh, WoW back in 2008 or so. I have since stopped, but that's when I started. And my first character was a Blood Elf. Okay. And to this day, every time I listen to 
the tracks that play in that starting area, I just have huge nostalgia. I just love that that entire thing, entire area, and the aesthetics that come to my mind when I listen to to that soundtrack. And another example that comes to my mind is from the original uh, Metroid and Metroid Zero, Zero Mission, mm -hmm. which is uh, the Crate's Lair theme. Um, it's one of few tracks that I know how to play on the piano. Uh, I am I am a scrub, but I know how to play that one, even if it's at a lower tempo. Uh, but I, since listening to it on repeat and especially as I practice uh, it, it on the, the piano, I kind of perceive into the song itself a sort of narrative. Uh, I can imagine a story based on the song as it seems to have four uh, different movements that kind of, to me, tell the tale of Samus entering a new place discovering that this place is uh, dangerous to her and entering into conflict and then it's peaceful at the end. It's like she won and it's peaceful, it's relaxing by the very end of Great Slayer's theme. So e even when I know the, the context, sometimes if the music is good, I can create new new meaning from it and I can create vivid images in my head that may not have been the ones intended by the composers. Yeah, sometimes uh, just listening to uh, a track on its own lets you really focus on it. I know, for instance, that, uh, to come back to Genshin Impact again, uh, generally when I'm listening to Ashdaha's theme in-game, I'm a bit too busy being bombarded by meteorites and blasted on all sides with two different elements, and generally trying not to die too much. That really would keep you would keep you busy. Exactly, and then I can enjoy out of the game uh, how they have this intensity and these operatic notes with Chinese lyrics and uh, and all of that. So, yeah, I think that drove the point home that a video game and a video game soundtrack separated from its game are kind of two different beasts. Yeah. Yeah, you... I mean... Alright, I, I think now is the time to transition over to this. You want to talk about separated from their games, let's talk about where they got heard recently. Let's do it. So, uh, wanna get into it or should I? Uh, go for it. So, if you guys listening to us talk about video game music have been uh, attentive with the internet lately, you might have noticed a few dozen headlines about uh, how the. Uh, Tokyo Olympics opening ceremony had a lot of video game music in it. Um, I, I just want to give a bit of context before we get into this. The Not the entire ceremony used it. It was during the uh, Parade of Nations segment, which is where the different uh, athletes enter the stadium and they use music to either showcase their culture, 
or to you know make the athletes look good in the camera i guess yeah uh so that's why it has a lot of heroic themes the first song to play was a hero's theme after all uh before we go deeper into that yeah uh let's not completely brush over the fact that the the olympics in general and this one in particular certainly have their share of issues in particular health issues about organizing such a big event during what is still a pandemic with a rising surge of cases yeah i mean I, they lost their main composer a couple weeks or months back so it's also entirely possible that using video game music was their plan b well i mean you say that but the parade of nations has pretty much historically been local music like even just the um the recent winter olympics they were playing whatever the heck they felt like from the local from the local area so i guess their music supervisor just felt like just felt like video game music made more sense than um made more sense in this regard than uh pop music or rock music um I in a lot this. of ways it's more international yeah and i remember like the sochi olympics they played a lot of uh i played a lot of um they played a lot like tattoo got in there uh, a lot of russian local artists uh in the uh in the south korea olympics they like during the parade of nations gangnam style got played over the u.s showing up so we got to hear the same like 30 second clip of the song 84 times because of course the commentators just kept going from famous american athlete to famous american athlete to famous american athlete but they that was all like in edit so no that's that's <laughs> pretty on brand for them i don't think japan would have brought in original music i don't even think beijing and their crazy olympic opening ceremony brought in original music for the uh parade of nations oh brazil didn't either uh it, it's certainly uh, just a theory that some people are throwing uh, out because of the guy being sacked. But it's also very I, likely that it just went, well, we are yeah, for video I, games. I, I, I think this was just a plan to begin with. I mean, let's not forget that at the end of the uh, Rio Olympics during the closing ceremony, they formally announced, I mean, formally, we already knew it was going to be Tokyo this, well, supposed to be last year. Uh, but they did that with having Prime Minister Shinzo Abe come out of a Mario pipe for crying out loud. So, like, they were already pretty down with video games even four years ago. Five years ago, because it's 2021 now. Because time has no meaning. Yep. Um, so I need to be honest. I have not, um, I have not actually watched the opening ceremony yet. I, I intend to at some point. I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm an Olympic. I mean, I have a but I listened to yeah. uh, the the playlist of the tracks that were mentioned. I don't know what mixes they were used, so I can't really comment on the performance itself. Yeah, um, I'm an Olympic. I believe nutball. was life of Lester. I I oh. love the Olympics, and I have since ninety uh, ninety two Barcelona was the first Olympics I saw on TV, and I have. Been I like them a lot. Now I'm too young because I was born them. that year. Yeah, 92, I would have been 9. I would have been 9 years old. Um, And 
to me, the Olympics, for all its flaws, and there are many we could talk about, has always been a side of hope. But seeing... As much as I respect the athletes who are taking the risk to come out here and compete, I also can't help but notice, like, there's just this just dire hopelessness in the completely crowdless arena. Like, I saw a clip yeah. of gymnastics and it's empty, and I'm just like, this feels worse to me than the FF14 concert. This just feels miserable. This Who is this bringing hope to? I don't get this. I don't know. I, I'm having a real problem with this one. It feels like less like uh, a set of hope and more like a demonstration, a proof of something that was too big to turn back. Yeah, but I, like I, I, I have to see because we know that the Olympics is an occasion to build so many stadiums, and they're there, but they're empty. Yeah, it's it's the fight. The Olympics, the financials behind them are just absolutely disgusting, and that that's not really a topic yes. I want to get into right now. And on the one hand, yeah, but it's obviously, something that's good to address at least. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, a lot of money went into building the facilities for these Olympics. Um, and yeah, obviously, there's significant financial incentives for everyone involved to keep putting them on, regardless of the risk. Uh, from the Olympic Committee to the city of Tok the prefecture of Tokyo to NBC in and their ten billion dollar deal over five years to broadcast the Olympics and the advertiser revenue that's going to come in as a result of that. On and on and on and on and on and on and on. Um, but on the other hand, you know who also has a vested interest in performing at the Olympics? The athletes who basically train their whole lives for their fifteen minutes for their time in the sun. I I was watching the Brazilian broadcast and they brought up uh, a point that is actually used in part of the opening ceremony that the the athletes were training to be at the top of their performance last year. Yeah. But last year it didn't happen so they had to train m many of them at home during at least a, a few months. Yeah. For some probably a year or more so i and i have to respect the determination of these athletes to continue their craft regardless of the risks and there are risks there's already been cases of coronavirus there's at least one swimmer who has refused to get vaccinated which oh boy i don't understand why they didn't make that mandatory that bothers yeah. me that I think, bothers yeah, me a lot uh, that was me terribly. On a slightly less depressive and irritating note, but still a bit sad, I, I think it, it's cool that uh, skateboarding is now in the Olympics, but it's such sad that the most uh, social, you could say, uh, sport, uh, such an, an urban thing that gets uh, groups of people together uh, and forms friendships on the streets everywhere <laughs> is being performed without people watching. Yeah, so I'm really mixed about these Olympics. I want to give my support to the Olympic spirit, even if the business behind it is garbage. Um, exactly. But at the same time, like, this one hurts. 
because the roar of the crowd is so important. Like, watching the crowd go wild as Usain Bolt does his sprint is just so relevant and so powerful and so meaningful. In the spirit of togetherness that the Olympics brings... And that's just not there this time. And that hurts. Not in the same way. No. It's a very different sense of determination and a reminder of how messed up the world is right now and how far we still have to go before this thing finally goes away. Yes. Never that sold of a Yeah, all right, we've done it. We talked talk about, about the video stuff. game soundtrack. Please, 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 please. Um, okay, so the this soundtrack brought to you in half by Square Enix. Yeah, uh, there's one track on here I am like incredibly surprised by, but yeah, well, there's a couple, but yeah, let's let's talk about this. Okay, no, go ahead. Truth. Holy Truth. crap! Song of the Ancients. Are you serious? Yeah. Emmy Evans has a song at the Olympics. I believe she tweeted about that. I would not be surprised. I've I've actually left Twitter. I'm still I still technically have an account. I just haven't logged in in weeks. Um Near is a niche game. Like yes, Automata's pretty gigantic, but even that's only like a 2 million seller. That's not like That's not like Soul Calibur. I think that just crossed like 6 million. Okay, I have actually the tweets in question. Uh, please. I'm in total, I'm in total happy shock to have had my voice welcoming in the athletes at the Olympics. Singing "Sound of the Ancients" from Nier with Janik Nicole was a massive and unexpected honor. Oh, that Janik was the... Nicole in question was a bit more prosaic, uh, saying, "My voice is in the Olympics." WTF? OMG. At any events. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay, so that means I didn't know which version they used, but that tells me... That tells me if they weren't performing that live, which I'm sure they weren't, um, that tells me that Because they, they were surprised. Yeah, that, that tells me that they used the uh, arranged version from the... Uh, this tells you how into the soundtrack I'm in. They used the arranged version from the orchestral appendix. So the second orchestral album. Well, I don't know the albums, but I did watch it live so i can tell you that every song was uh, an orchestral arrangement and that i think that was the only song with vocals everything else uh was just instrumentals yeah but it so was they got uh, a myriad of orchestral uh ver versions all right so i did a little count first of the publishers for the game these tracks were from and indeed among the 17 tracks, I believe. Nine of them are for Square Enix. Three from Bandai Namco. Three from Capcom. Two from Sega. And then there's one from Konami on level 5. That's... We, that's a pretty good spread, but I think it kind of reinforces my earlier point of, yeah, Square is very well known for their music. Yeah, they are. I mean, there's probably a deal at... Uh, somewhere in there, of course, but uh, I don't think anyone's complaining that there's too much Square Enix music because things like uh, 
the one of the heroes theme from Dragon Quest makes sense. Yeah. Some Final Fantasy makes sense. Some Weirdly, it got the main theme sense. in the victory fanfare and not like one of the more thematic songs. Yeah. And I think a lot of the choice of the songs was basically to have this kind of an epic feel. Which, which makes suits the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Like, you have athletes that walk to proof of a hero, but naturally is like, bum, ba, da, bum, ba, 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 bum, and yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. checks out 100%. Uh, frog and Robo's, th- Robo's theme. Oh, borderline yeah. a Rickroll, but apparently that apparently the similarity between the uh, Stock Aiken Waterman production <laughs> for Never Gonna Give You Up and that song are actually uh, coincidences from what I've been told. It's a wonderful coincidence. Well. It is. Uh, Kingdom Hearts got in there, so I assume that's one of Shimabora's good. I'm... Uh, then again, this one is terribly underused. I mean, there's two Kingdom Hearts uh, tracks, and one of them is the Olympus Colosseum. Yeah, I think if you didn't do that one, that would be just wrong at that point. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you listen to it and like, you cheeky people. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I do. I see what you did there. Um, Sa- same with the one level five track from Inazuma Eleven. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's sports stuff. It makes sense. Um, Honestly, I'm just happy to see Soul Calibur represented somewhere. Yeah. And that's like the one song from Soul Calibur I actually know. Like, off the top of yeah. my head. And that's, I mean, it's a great choice. I, I really can't, I really can't argue with any of this list. And again. And it's not even my favorite uh, Soul Calibur OST. It's from the more recent one. I'm more into 2 and 3. Yeah, that's kind of where I did most of my Soul Calibur playing, if you can call it that. Um, Fantasy Star well, Universe, of all things, got in. Yeah. I'm okay with PSU. I liked that game. Um, and it's strange that the one Konami track was from Gradius of all things. Yeah, that one felt a little like... That's kind of a weird one, but okay, sure, yeah. Gradius. Yeah, but back to Capcom, some Ace Combat. Yeah, I believe Ace Combat at the Olympics. Okay, I could buy that. I'm a little sad there's no Street Fighter in here. I, I feel like you absolutely could have gotten like a rockin' a rockin' Yeah, especially but... with things like wrestling and boxing. Yeah. Those they kind of certainly sports. have the time because uh, if I recall correctly, the entire playlist just got through about half of the runtime of the Parade of Nations. Uh, afterwards, they just played the tracks back in uh, random order. So they could have added something, some extra tracks, but Maybe it was a rights issue. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe it was. music supervision for live events is a whole thing in the States, and I know Japan is a stickler for rules, so it's probably even worse. Speaking of maybe it's a rights issue, the lack of Nintendo tracks. Nintendo or... They're Nintendo, man. Like, how cool yeah. would it have been to have a Zelda uh, track in here? Uh, Zelda track? Oh, where my mind is naturally at... Still in the suitably pompous tone that uh, the ceremony demands is Super Mario Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like Galen said, Shinzo Abe did use a Mario pipe and costume in 2016 when 
they pass the torch to Tokyo. Exactly, but then there's game imagery stuff and there's game soundtracks, which is a whole different beast entirely. Yeah, uh, in that case, that any, was a case any of... Any content creator... That's a case of obvious so. parody, and thus parody is protected speech. Yes. Like, even in Japan. They did actually use the actual Mario character, if I recall correctly. Uh, he came out of a pipe after a short video where Mario ends entering a pipe. All so I they remember did get the right was Pikachu being named official Olympics ambassador. Yeah. Pikachu, That's another Mario, thing. Like they could have done, Goku, they could have done, they could have done a song from Pokemon. I'm sure there was some like Pokemon Arena or Stadium song they could have used that would have been good. No, can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that we could, uh, if we could travel back in time, we could stay with a straight face to some kid in 1997. Yeah. Anyway, um, the pandemics had Pikachu as an ambassador, but there was this whole uh, pandemic thing. Yeah. So I, that wow. was a problem. <sighs> um, now, this is really cool. You want to talk about video game releases, the single biggest live event stage on the planet, the, li the single biggest live sports event stage on the planet is kind of gigantic. Like, yes, that is absolutely. that is such a legitimacy for game music yeah. as its own art form. Yeah, I think that's the main point to take from this, and the main point I want to take from this, is that video game music is music. Yeah. And deserve to be shown where it can be, and to stand on its own merits, and to have its own moments of glory, whether it's 15 minutes, or two hours, or way longer than that. Like... It comes to show the increasing acceptance of game music as its own art form. This one tweet, or sorry, this one person tweeted two things about five years apart. First was something akin to dumb, dumb people want to hear their dumb, dumb video game music in orchestras. And then five years later comes with video game music is saving orchestras. Yeah. Like that should, that's the same person who wrote both of those tweets. That's this, that people should. People have trenches of hearts. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think this show would exist if video game music didn't have significant artistic and cultural merit. Exactly. And the fact that that we merit is being recognized like, by the damn Olympics is just such a good feeling, regardless of anything else going on right now. We don't just like video game music because we like video games. Yeah. Yeah, this music is beyond legitimate and has inspired me in no small way in my career. Exactly. But they didn't put the Mario and Sonic at the Tokyo Olympics music in, the cowards, so that whole ceremony is ruined 0 out of 10. Yep, 0 out of 10. No Mario, with the so no Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. Nope. Uh, wrong. I actually listened to that just because of this episode, and... Uh, it's weird, actually. I'm sure. It's this strange mix of sporty Mario-like themes that go da 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 da, -da with added shamisen every way they could switch <laughs> in to remember that it's at Tokyo. <laughs> oh, boy. It's a ride. It's demented. Oh, I love that. I...
Oh, man. I don't think it's good. No. But, but I appreciate the attempt. Now I wonder yeah. if they added gratuitous samba to the Rio version. Oh, well, now I we have can to find guarantee out. you 100% that they did. Oh. Which makes me hopeful for the Mario and Sonic at the Olympics in 2024, I believe. Uh, were they going to add gratuitous accordion, probably? Or whatever is suitable French? Oh, I'm like, I wonder probably accordion. I wonder what will count as American for the 2028 Olympics. Yeah, coming back to Los Angeles, or worse yet, Australian. What are they going to do? Add didgeridoo for Brisbane 2030 or 2032? Yeah. And let's Imagine go for US. Imagine saxophone. the Olympics... Yeah, sure. Okay. Sax. I, I would recommend electric guitar, yeah. but yeah, saxophone works. Yeah. I can I can imagine if the Olympics happen in Scotland at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that, the very happy go lucky, the very happy Mario song and suddenly the back the bagpipes. <laughs> okay, no no, Winter Olympics in uh, Austria. And there's oh, the, a yodeling the, everywhere. Yeah. The, the yodeling <laughs> in that like super long horn they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I'm Hire us, Nintendo and Sega. <sighs> you you can contact us at uh, music.rk.podcast.gmail.com. We're available. Smooth. Nice. Hey. Beautiful. I like it. Good plot, Good product placement. And with that, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, I know this one got a little depressing at the end with the talk about the Olympics, uh, but it just shows just how wonderful and wide this genre is becoming, and I love it. Y'all have yourselves a good one, folks. See you next time. <laughs>